lot of males would use the word mission to describe what their life is all about. Um, we, off, we also often hear the concept of living with a purpose or, or having a purpose. And I just anecdotally have heard that word more from female patients, but they mean the same thing. Um, on this bell curve of males, you'll hear them use language like being on a mission. I'm on a mission. And on the bell curve of females, you'll often hear this more organic, natural word for what is life about in the form of the word purpose. But they mean the same thing. So in the language of males and females, there's a lot of translation that you can do. Again, we're on bell curves here. We're not talking about any specific individual. Um, there's a lot of translation you can do. It's very interesting. And the translation needs an understanding of masculine instincts and feminine instincts to do the translation. Has anyone ever heard of the old, uh, from decades ago, uh, she's called a sociolinguist, uh, Deborah Tannen. Have you heard of Deborah Tannen? No? She used to be a prolific writer and saw herself as a, a linguist of sociology, and she studied uh, young boys and girls. She used to say that the worst thing that a girl could say to another girl or do to another girl would be to exclude her from her friendship group. Banishment, banishment socially. And the worst thing a little boy could do to another little boy is not banishment, it's to one-up him, to beat him up, to beat him, or to win against him. And I always thought that was interesting. This, this is from 30 years ago, this writer. And, and she did research studies uh, of young children. And isn't that interesting that um, uh, terrible, tragic stories with a female protagonist, such as Hester Prynne in The Scarlet Letter, that the worst of the worst that can happen to the woman is banishment, right? The Scarlet Letter, A. And, and the worst things that happen to males tend to be stories of defeat at, at war, for example, okay? So that speaks to instinctual differences, as an example. Um, so relevant terminology, uh, domains of, of study, sociology and feminism, clinical and biological science, and then somewhere between these two, uh, a, a new emerging male psychology is going to be a, a, a new school of psychology. Um, And, and this speaks to the, uh, the prior question about diversity of, of sexual uh, preference and behavior. Um, you can't be a specialist if you don't start as a generalist. You can't be a competent specialist if you don't start as a generalist. And I'm a generalist. I suppose I'm starting to become a little bit of a specialist. On, on males, but um, it, it, it takes many years. 
And so you can't learn a meta discipline if you don't learn the discipline proper first. Okay. So th this is uh, this is what makes subspecialty uh, science kind of fragile um, as as experts. In other words, um, a biologist might not be able to pure biologist might not be able to that competently speak uh, in sociology language or do sociology research, but likewise a sociologist not biologically trained, really can't speak to how biology works, that they're different disciplines. It doesn't matter how valuable or, or prevalent they are in explaining behavior as much as to say that they have very different uh, rules and principles. They aren't equivalent. It doesn't make one better than the other. It just makes them different. So before break, I want you to think a bit back to Everybody's heard of the biopsychosocial model, right? Probably the most important model in behavioral health. And looking through this lens at any issues surrounding male patients is very helpful in the sense that, let me go back, in the sense that um, if we divide all the causative variables up into these, these three domains, then we know what to do for each part of it. So for biology, genetics, uh, think of it as brain hardware. Think of it as brain chemistry. A medication could be useful for those variables. In the world of psychology, uh, the patient's experiences, beliefs, personal, personality style, personal style, character maturity, traumas, um, all factor in. And uh, the treatment modalities are therapy, education, spirituality, even philosophy. But then we have this third category, that which is social, and their sociology has uh, contributors from their environment um, and their history. So their life story, their demographics, their disadvantages, their family of origin, their friendship history, money and the economy, romantic relationships even. Um, they themselves, the patient, ends up being the curative factor for their own sociology because we can't go walking around with them 24 hours a day advising them, right? They have to go out and live their life out there. But there's a, there's a crucial uh, dividing line, though, in this biopsychosocial model that you may or may not have ever noticed before it's that between the psychology and the sociology, there happens to be a personal boundary. Can you see it? Between the psychology and the sociology is the personal boundary, which means the, the psychology and the biology are inside me, the patient. Sociology is outside me, the patient. So the world of sociology is wild and woolly out there and it's full of trends and fads and they come and go and it's, it's this way this week, but it's something else next week. It's kind of like the stock market. There are trends, but there's a lot of noise and randomness out there, out in the world. 
And it is the personal boundary that separates it from what is inside of us. So then you might be able to see how it's kind of erroneous, not just kind of, it's quite erroneous scientifically for us to ever conceive of a movement out there in the world determining what our psychology or biology even needs to be. It's backwards. It makes no sense. And that's where this idea of uh, masculinity is a role. It's role playing like you're a, you're an actor or something. Impossible. It doesn't make any sense. So I just wanted to point out that there is a personal boundary of who knows what quality in any given individual between their psychology and the sociology around them. And if the boundary is weak and has a lot of holes in it and is easily impressionable or easily traumatized, that the sociology can kind of creep in and feel like it's their psychology, right? When it, it can't be. Whereas somebody with a very solid boundary can pick and choose what they want to let into their mind um, and, and what, what they come to believe in. They're, they're more choosy when they have a solid boundary. So consider that the biopsychosocial model, these three disciplines don't work by the same principles. And on top of it, the psychology and biology are inside of us and sociology is not. It is out there in the world, outside our boundary. Uh, the nature of statistics and sex differences 